What's up, Simple Passive Cashflow? On today's podcast, I'm going to be going over a quick summary of our over hour long webinar that we did for those of you guys are in our Hui Investor Club. If you guys would like to get the full version, or at least part one of that, you can go and sign up at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And you got to go and book that onboarding call with myself or the team after you complete that form. We want to know who you are. I think that's what separates us from other fake it to make it groups out there is that we really want to know each other. And I would think that if you're investing your money with anybody, you would like to build a relationship with them too. This is a story about a dude named Lane. Then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one of the man. Every week, I put together a quick summary of some of the news articles I look at. And we've been putting that out on the podcast I don't know if you guys like that or not. Give us some feedback. Shoot the team an email, team at simplepassivecashflow.com. I think once a quarter, it's good to take a step backwards. And that's what I do on the open the kimono reports, which again, I do for the active live investors. And what I'm going to be doing is going quickly over those slides, those very slides in probably the next 10 minutes is my goal here, but let's get to it. So in 2022, if you've been living under Barack or you're brand new to investing in alternative investments, we started to see a huge shift in probably about the summertime of 2022. There wasn't any issues getting loans, but the terms started to change. The best bridge, the best loans were from local and regional banks. The bridge lenders and the agencies such as Fannie, Freddie, and Hug started to pull back. And at this point, it was like the terms that changed meaning terms are interest rates. And what I'm really meaning here are like the loan to value. So we weren't able to get as high leverage as we once were. So in parallel, inflation peaked in the second half of 2022. I think it went up to 9.1%. Now it's off the highs of that and moving down. That's great. And we'll get into that in a bit. But to cap out the 2020 year, expenses went up due to inflation. One thing I talk a lot out is amongst many lines in the line in the PL sheets in a lot of our investments. And I think a lot of your guys' single family homes, if you are still doing that, you know, like insurance will underwrite $600 per door per year. And that went up to $850 per door per year. That's an increase of 40%. That's a lot more than two years of 10% inflation. And although the rent growth still was going up and it still is in most of the emerging markets. Fast forward to today, what I'm seeing out there is about a 10 to 15% price decrease off the 2022 highs. Basically, it eliminated a lot of the market appreciation that we saw in 2022 and maybe even part of 2021. We saw minor occupancy drops and slowing down of the rent increases. And of course, I'm going to be going into this into way more detail for those of you guys who joined the Investor Club. It's a free thing. We just need to know who the heck you guys are out there by going to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. But this is a slide that I've edited over time. I first brought this out, I think, yeah, middle of last year. And I had to just extend this orange line here, which is de depicting how quickly the interest rates went up. Now, don't get me wrong. The interest rates have been higher. But what we're really focusing in on here is how quickly the rates went up. 
And the rates as of this past month have gone up four and a half percent and will probably go up maybe another half to a full point from here. So this is what we call as unprecedented. And the problem with this, not only if you've been in deals with floating rates where maybe your mortgage debt service has almost doubled on you, which obviously that hits your cash flow, right? But it creates a situation where things such as rate caps are almost maybe 20 times more expensive. Just to give you a frame of reference, normally on a large deal, what's a large deal? Maybe $30, $40 million deal. You were looking at like a rate cap of $50,000 normally. Now we're looking at rate caps from a couple million to three, four million. It's crazy. It's unprecedented. And that's because of the volatility in the rate increases that we've been seeing this past six months. Probably doing a future podcast on this whole rate cap and how it, it, it's essentially insurance. And it's a little bit more of an advanced topic, but I'm just going to put it out for you guys because that's something I'm tired of podcasts just talk about the same stupid stuff over and over again. We all get it. Alternative investments, their way of going, cutting out the middlemen, right? That's why we don't invest in REITs or anything like that because they're just institutional products with a bunch of middlemen in it. And the tax benefits and all the stuff we talk about, obviously. What I really want to do on the podcast is really bring in these other concepts that are a lot more advanced and test you guys a little bit. Ultimately, we'll put the full version of the video in the syndication e-course, which you guys can check out the free version at simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. But, you know, you guys are captive audience out there and you pay for what you get. This podcast is free. So you're just going to get a little bit. And that's why we say you got to step out of the shadows, you lurkers out there, especially a lot of you guys who've booked calls with me recently. It's fun to ask you guys, what do you guys think about the podcast, especially if you've been listening for more than a couple of years to reach out. Really enjoy helping you guys out on those intro calls and meeting a lot of you, you folks out there. Um, from what I noticed, a lot of the investors that invest this way and these blue collar type of assets and more long-term value-based investing as opposed to the cra crazy crypto kids out there. I mean, go, I'm, this is the floating rate discussion here. I'll go more in this detail in the full webinar. My mission at simplepassivecashflow.com is to help hardworking individuals like you do what I did, which was leave a professional career behind by building an investment portfolio where the passive income exceeded my daily expenses. It frustrates me that there are so many people out there mindlessly investing in the Roth, IRA, 401k, mutual funds, or worse, going through a useless financial planner who is just selling retail and financial products. Here's the problem. There are multiple middlemen taking a cut of your returns, all the while you take all the rest. In our community, we spend a little bit of effort to educate ourselves and build organic relationships with other past investors to source the best off-market opportunities, all while enjoying higher returns and better security because the asset that you purchased is a real hard asset, not some kind of fake stuff like a crypto or altcoin. The trifecta is simple. Number one, syndications to get number two, passive losses to unlock other tax best practices, and thirdly, infinite banking. Join our network for more insider access and educational material at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And also sign up for a free strategy call once you're in there. Enter our ecosystem. So if you did come out to Hawaii on our annual investor retreat, you'd be able to develop those relationships with the right people. To check out future events, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash events. And we'll see you in person. Right now, what we're seeing is the Fed is going to probably be raising rates at least two or three more times. And the reason why I say that is because Powell said he'd 
raise it a few more times. Few to me means two to three more times. But that said, we are seeing the inflation come down. We don't know how that is going to really play itself out. What I am worried about is, and what I am, I've got maybe a pessimistic point of view that we can possibly see them lowering rates or raising rates a couple few more times, but maybe that's not enough. And we don't want to see the situation where the Fed starts to lower the rates right away quickly, and then inflation goes right back up. The analogy that I kind of use, and I'm guilty of this, is when I get sick and my doctor prescribes me antibiotics and I'm feeling better two days later, I tend not to take all my antibiotics because that's just how I am. I just don't tend to take drugs if I don't need it. All the pharmacists out there are probably shaking their head, you dummy lane, why are you doing that? In a way, that's what the Fed is trying to avoid, right? Interest rates are their drug of choice to get the inflation under control. And they just got to be careful that inflation is killed. The virus or the problem is gone. It's totally eliminated. Because this happened several decades ago where they raised interest rates, didn't work, and then it created like a double dip situation. Now, the optimistic point of view, which I think will probably happen, but again, I want to position my personal assets, these deals that I'm in, with the pessimistic three-year plan where we mess up, we don't, we never took our antibiotics and then we got to go back in for surgery or something like that, or even more about of antibiotics after the fact. But there could be this scenario where, again, this is what I label as the optimistic point of maybe a couple more interest rates hikes here, inflation comes back down and continues to be a trailing indicator. And what we want to see too is an unemployment to come up because unemployment is a not a leading indicator, but it is a trailing indicator of what the perception is based on the economic environment. So what I'm hoping is that the interest rates pause maybe about the summertime of this year and start to come down. And our fever, which is inflation in this analogy, comes down and we can get back and rolling. And a lot of the economic reports that I'm hearing, not from silly YouTubers out there spouting off these things or the other crazy podcasters out there feeding the doom and gloom so you can use their affiliate code to buy gold from their supplier. But the real economic reporters out there who put out unbiased reports are saying that 2023 will be a continual, this continuing this, and then the then you'll see the outfall of all this interest rates hikes with a recession in 2024, but then we're off to the races again. Now, right now, myself, my business is apartment syndications. And right now we are in the midst of the recession now. When interest rates are high, our businesses suffer. So we are a bit of a leading indicators, which means when the rest of the country is feeling the effects of a recession, and I guess you would probably say we are, as a country, as officially in a recession, I will be coming out of it because I went in it. I'm in it right now. I'm stepping through it as we speak. And that means that we'll be out of it before everybody else is really. Everybody goes through market cycles. It's part of the game. We find out who's down with us, who has that long-term perspective, and who, at the end of the day, the thesis that I keep coming back to is the reason why I invest in real estate, more specifically workforce housing apartments, is that the fundamental, long-term fundamentals are there. 
in the workforce housing sector, there is a growing demand because the lower middle class is getting better and the shrinking middle class, you guys out there aren't going to be, it's not doing that great either. And the population is expanding, especially in select emerging markets that I tend to gravitate towards. And it's something, it's an industry that unlike many other economic industries can't be disrupted. Yes, you can make houses and apartments smaller and square footage, but it takes a while for that to happen. And it just doesn't happen overnight. And I just feel like as far as like multifamily value add, workforce housing, especially workforce housing, it's the undisrupted um, sector. And even in the recession, 2008, you didn't see rents go down for any long period of time. So here kind of Paul's words here, I put this in words where ongoing increases, suggesting two further rate hikes, perhaps more at the current quarter point increases as we go on and on. Um, here you can see the push up, the application of antibiotics to keep going with that analogy. And then you're also seeing how quickly it got drained out of the system and things went back to normal. Again, what we are trying to avoid is interest rates hikes, a pause or maybe decrease, but then the fever comes back even more. And so here's a bit of my pessimistic outlook and optimistic outlook. I go into much more detail in the part one kimono report for you guys to have access to for you those you guys who are in investor club. And another thing that I'm keeping my eye on, you know, what's happening more in development, right? There's right now, there's a lot of fear in the streets and you're seeing it happen all over. And what you're trying to see is not a lot of builder competition. It's a good time to be starting a multi-year development. And this is why we've widely diverted our attention away from value-add apartments, which a lot of people, new people come into there. You guys see it all the time. If you're on Facebook, you know, you've got invest in this, invest in that. I click them on all the time just because I'm curious who the heck these people are. And the other day, a guy who has $60 million of assets, $60 million isn't nothing. Even $600 million of assets isn't anything. We're to the point where we've got $1.2 billion of assets. I would say we fundamentally shifted the team around half a billion where we really started to hire professional staff, asset management staff to oversee the third-party property management staff, if not in-house property management staff. Here was a picture of the recent 230-year Chase Creek apartments that we have in Huntsville. It was more of a handshaking, kissing babies, so I didn't really make the trip, but a couple of my other partners did on this one. But on the other thing I just wanted to leave you guys with, go ahead and check out our guide on taxes. This is the time of the year where you need to start with the end in mind. You know, so what a lot of our, prof not professionals, but the cool kids in our group will do is they understand the difference between passive income, passive losses, and possibly using rep status to use the passive losses to not only offset their passive income, also offset their ordinary income. So here's a great example, right? And I'm changing some of the numbers to protect the innocent or the people, the cool kids there. But take a high income earner making $1.2 million adjusted gross income. Maybe they do a little land conservation easements, which, oh, by the way, I just recorded a video for you guys. Some research I did this past month in February 
Um, there's some changes coming down the road for those of you guys who live and die with the conservation easements due to the new omnibus bill where I go into that in detail. In the past, they would use these land conservation easements to drop their AGI at least 30%, maybe even half to what it was. They'll buy up some conservation easements in this case. And just for example's sake, maybe they drop their AGI from $1.2 million to $800,000. Delta 400 grand, which at the highest tax bracket, especially if you live in the great state of California, probably means about a couple hundred thousand dollars of tax savings right there. You know? So step three here, they implement real estate professional status, and now they can use, they've got a whole bunch of passive activity losses. And for a lot of investors who are in dozens of deals, they may have $500 million plus of suspended passive activity losses that they haven't used. And that's great because you can use it in these types of situations at your will to drop your AGI even further with rep status, real estate professional status. Go on a month-long summer vacation because they're not working jobs anymore. And that's where we want to get all of you guys to. And a couple of their deals cash out, which is a good problem to have and where they maybe they made a good amount of capital gains. But remember, you've got to recapture the losses. So now they're looking at their AGI going up, in fact, for temporarily. But... They go look at their 8582 form, which is the form where they look how much suspended passive losses they have, and they figure out like how much they want to use. But maybe they're looking at our future tax pile fund, which again, that particular one only brings in accredited investors, but it's really the accredited investors that are doing these types of strategies where now they know how much suspended passive losses or passive losses they need to uh, so that they can bring their AGI into a more manageable level. And to me, a manageable level would be certainly under $340,000 AGI for year 2023. Or lately, I've been coming around to the idea, especially when I see people like this driving their AGI to like $100,000 or heck, $0. I'm more inclined to say, yeah, if you've already got your AGI down to 340, maybe consider taking it down to 200. Now, the, the, this is the kind of the tax planning or the movements the cool kids will be doing. And I'm going to caveat saying that this is all the amount of detail we're going to go into here for the podcast because you get what you pay for on the podcast. And I'm not a CPA tax attorney. Most CPAs or most of our clients have to change their CPAs after doing this because a lot of the CPAs, they may be aware of these ideas, but they number one, they're not in the position to advise you on your own personal situation. It's unfair. They don't know what deals you're going into. They don't know how much passive losses you're getting. They don't know when those deals are cashing out. You may not even know as a passive investor, especially if you're more than half a dozen deals, right? It's not practical, which is why you get into more deals. So you start to smooth out and you start to stockpile more passive activity losses. So it becomes more of a high level game than to in the weeds. When is that deal cashing out? When is this deal cashing out? And it's, here's a difficult part, like for people starting out, now that's how we say educate yourself and meet other passive investors. But the more deals you're in, the more passive activity losses you have, especially stockpiled on your 8582 form, the more passive losses, the easier it gets with tax planning in general. And that's the essence behind simple passive cash flow, where you're trying to get away from all the non-accredited investor strategies and you're spending more time in the places it should be. And you're acting more like a purely passive accredited investor. For those of you guys who have a boatload of passive losses and 
in like dozens and dozens of deals. Here's a screenshot up of a, I, this is my personal K1 tracker that I have. I pass this off to my CPA. They may or may not use it, but it just helps me to keep track of strategically how much passive losses I have coming in. And it helps me also idealize how much a depreciation recapture I have. Again, for me, it's simple because I have so much of this stuff and it doesn't really matter for me at this point, which is why you need to interact with more and more accredited investors because the more and more you meet them, you start to realize the easier it gets. And yeah, the wealthy get richer, or maybe I should say that people who are educated on this type of stuff, which they don't teach in school, and it's the people that are going to carry on the family wealth. And that's why our group, I think, is very unique and special. And again, if you guys want to get the full kimono report, we go into these slides more and more in detail. Join the club, simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And also, uh, if you guys have any other questions or topics you guys want us to cover on the podcast, we'll probably do a submit question later email the team and uh, please do us a favor, give us a positive iTunes review. It really helps us out. And also check out the YouTube channel. We have the Rich Uncle channel, which is may not be for some of you guys out there who are credit investors. It's mainly guided towards the younger kids in their 20s and 30s who are not accredited yet. But if you guys like this technical stuff, check out the Simple Passive Cash Flow YouTube channel. Um, if you guys need the links, Send an email to team at Simple Passive Cashflow. We'll get you connected. And again, thanks you guys for listening and sharing it with your friends. And this has been all a crazy experiment since 2016 when I first started to do this and chronicle my journey. When we got rid of people, I just had a call with somebody recently and they said it was funny when around episodes 80 or 90 where I switched the tune from turnkey rentals to syndications. Who knows what we go to in the future, right? And that's my job is to see what else is out there. When you start to climb 10, 20, 50, $100 million net worth, what are the strategies? And to pull it back to you guys. But yep, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.